0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: The Supreme Court has spoken and the pharmacy profession may never be the same. We'll talk about that next on Locked on Pharmacy.
2: You are listening to the Locked On Pharmacy Podcast, the insider's view into the world of pharmacy.
1: Hello, this is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association. On December 10th, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its eagerly awaited decision in Rutledge versus PCMA, the case which asked the court to determine whether states have the right to regulate the business practices of pharmacy benefit managers. And the verdict was a resounding yes. Yes. By an 8 to nothing margin, the justices ruled that an Arkansas law regulating how PBMs and pharmacies interact with each other may be enforced and was not preempted by the federal law known as ERISA. With more than three dozen other states debating or passing such legislation, this wasn't just about Arkansas. It could have nationwide impact. In fact, the CEOs of national pharmacy organizations were unanimous in hailing the decision. We have three guests here to discuss the case. First, Representative Buddy Carter of Georgia. He's been an advocate for pharmacists since his early days in Congress and no wonder. He's the only pharmacist serving in the 116th session of Congress and he owns three pharmacies in Georgia. So he has firsthand knowledge of the damage that PBMs have done to the pharmacy profession. I'm also joined by John Vinson, the CEO of the Arkansas Pharmacists Association. We spoke with John a couple of months ago on the eve of oral arguments. Now we bring him back here to talk about what the ruling means. The case began with an Arkansas law and it was Arkansas who persevered to bring the case to the nation's highest court. And finally, I'm joined by Scott Knorr, the CEO of the American Pharmacists Association, the largest association in the country representing all the pharmacy. Scott has written and spoken extensively about the negative impact of PBMs on the profession, patients, and employers. So, Congressman, welcome to the program. Um, really, a pleasure to have you here. Um, you're no, well known for your work advocating for pharmacists and their patients. What do you think this ruling could mean for pharmacies around
2: the country? Well, there's no question about it. This is big. This is a big, big win for pharmacists, and I say that for a number of reasons. First of all, as a independent retail pharmacist and the owner of um, independent retail pharmacies, I know firsthand. And I've experienced firsthand just how tough it is and just how unfair the practices are. So I've seen it from that perspective, the real life perspective, if you will. Secondly, keep in mind, I was a member of the Georgia general assembly for 10 years and we passed many laws, many laws um, governing PBMs that were good laws that that did not apply to plans under ERISA. Uh, the, The only ones they really applied to were the state health benefit plans, but and and that was okay. That helped, but it really, the this ruling and, and this this development is, is so big for pharmacy. And if I could say, I, I don't know if um if anyone on the podcast or any of y'all have ever um have ever listened or sat in on a Supreme Court hearing. This was my first experience for it. And I I because of COVID we couldn't attend, but we I sat in on it, and I have to tell you, I was super impressed. Uh, those justices are some smart people. <laughs> they really are, and you know our guy representing Arkansas. And and let me just um, let me just divert for just a second and say that uh, Arkansas deserves a lot of credit here. They have done an outstanding job, and for them to take this up to the Supreme Court, especially after it was rejected by the Eighth Circuit, um, we just owe them a great deal of, of of gratitude, and and I applaud them for what they've done and their. Attorney General, Leslie, and and all of them had done a great job. But um, when Arkansas presented their case to the Supreme Court, I mean, they ripped him up one side and down the other. And when it was over, I just thought to myself, we don't stand a chance. And then the other side came up, and they did the same exact thing. They ripped him up one side and down the other. And I said, well, maybe we do stand a chance. And I was just so impressed at, at how how well the Supreme Court handled this. And of course, I was delighted when it was an 8-0 decision.
1: So it really does seem to open the door for some action on state level. Do you think there's any opportunity for doing something on the federal level because of this ruling or are those completely separate issues?
2: Well, I think it will be more apt for the the states. and, And I think that it would pertain to them more I think there are 38 states now that have um, laws on the books dealing with PBMs. I think you'll see them uh, expand in in the number of states. I think that you'll see a number of uh, all the states now to to start this. And and listen, I'm, you know, I believe in state rights and state sovereignty. So that's okay with me. Now, it will mean something to us on the federal level. and, And that's important to note as well. I think it will give us um, more clout, more ammunition, if you will to um, to state our case whenever we go before HHS um, to promulgate a new rule or regulation or whenever we um, are trying to pass legislation that'll be codified that that deals with PBM. So I, I think you know it's it's good all around, but I think more so for the states, it's more significant. You know you mentioned your personal experience with with
1: pharmacies and pharmacy ownership. Uh, what are, um, as an owner, you've experienced this and what are your uh, APHA members from around the country and specifically in Georgia, what have they been telling you about their experience with PBMs and all their practices that have made life difficult for them?
2: Well, we all have experience. I mean, regardless of whether you're a pharmacy owner or just a staff pharmacist, you you know what's happening and you know the, 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 um, the, practices that that PBMs have been undertaking and the reimbursement has been horrible. They've been redirecting patients, um, you know, with mail order and and with unfair practices that they have been practicing and and that they've been undertaking. It's had a negative effect on independent retail pharmacists. In fact, over 2,000 pharmacies closed and and almost 4% of all pharmacies in the independent pharmacies in the nation have closed. So the news is good. The news is, but keep in mind, it, it, yes, it's good for pharmacies, but it's good for patient care. And it's good for the patients. And that's the key. That's why we're there, is, is for the patients. Um, and, and this will mean that there'll be um, hopefully lower, lower prescription drug prices. And I think that it will be that. I think that's what it will result in.
1: Uh, Congressman, one last question. How can um, APHA work with you in order to move things forward and make uh,
2: a, a better experience for patients and for pharmacists? Well, certainly advocacy is extremely important and particularly grassroots advocacy. I, I, tell, I tell pharmacists all the time, as well as just, just citizens, You know, um, invite your, your congressperson to, to your practice setting show them the value that you bring to the healthcare system. We as pharmacists under uh, uh, underestimate our value a lot and and we don't do enough in, in 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 really helping to to people to understand just how valuable our services are. Look, 95% of all Americans live within 5 miles of a pharmacy. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare professionals out there. And we do deliver a, a valuable health care service and it is important to our customers so i i would i would encourage all the pharmacists to invite their members of Congress, whether it be you senator or your your congressman uh, to your practice setting let them talk to your patients. your patients are going to be your your biggest fans and and they're going to be the one to who, who who let everyone know just how how valuable the pharmacist is to their healthcare.
1: And I imagine this would be applied to any issue, whether it's DIR fees or provider status or any other of the big battles um, that uh, we're fighting along the line.
2: No question about it. Um, you know, all of those are things that are causing copays and and percentages and prescription drug prices to increase. Um, let's face it, DIR fees are are nothing more than PBMs making up for lost revenue in other areas and making sure that that um, that they're profitable and. We know how how much they've increased over the years, and how they proliferated, and we also know how how destructive they've been to pharmacy and to pharmacists. So, all of that is, is um, it, we've got to work on and continue to work on. We can't let our foot off the the gas pedal. We got to continue on because uh, we got a lot of work to do. But I certainly am encouraged, particularly by this ruling.
1: Well, Congressman Buddy Carter from Georgia, we really appreciate your time today. Have a great rest of the day, and we'll see you in the next session. Thank you very much. So, John Vincent, welcome to the program. Uh, Welcome back to the program, I should say. We spoke a couple of months ago as uh, the oral arguments were looming. You must be so proud of your Arkansas team right now. Now that you've had a few days to reflect on what happened, what are your thoughts? It is definitely
3: uh, very positive news. It is I know our national organizations have been fighting this fight for more than two decades, as have our state association and other state associations. What a day. What a week. Uh, It's really good for our current team, but not just our current team. When you think of two decades, that goes back three CEOs before me at our state association. That goes back countless board members, pharmacists, many of whom have even transitioned sold their stores to the next generation or moved on to other practices. There are just so many people that played a role in in getting this case to be heard at the highest court in the land. It feels good to get it across the finish line, but we're so appreciative of all of our partners in every state and all those great leaders before that helped us to get us in a position to even have the case heard at the highest court in the land.
1: So what are your next steps?
3: We have probably three or four next steps. You know, the first thing is to celebrate what's happened, and we've done that. We, we, we gave us a day or two to celebrate. Now we're into the next week. The dust has settled a little bit. We are starting to evaluate and look at our existing laws that are on the books to see, you know, how does this court ruling affect our existing laws, to see if those can be enforced better, if pharmacies can appeal uh, bad reimbursement mechanisms under the existing laws and to find some relief in employer-sponsored plans. Second thing is we, while we're looking at those laws, are there any areas where those laws can be tweaked at the state level, that there are loopholes that might we might have missed for some of these plans, so we're working on that. And then finally, don't forget while we're here in the first place and move forward and provide patient care. And, and look and see if there are business opportunities or other opportunities in the private sector outside of the regulatory world where we can implement new models and take advantage of this, this new strength of the regulation to actually compete. I know there are a lot of pharmacists that are excited in our state about a new Medicare Part D plan, which is not affected by this ruling because this ruling is specific to employer-sponsored insurance. But to actually start a Medicare Part D plan and enroll a, a, a payment model that is objective and is understandable and predictable and fair and is a win-win-win for providers, patients, the, and also taxpayers altogether. So we've, we don't want to forget about that. Yes, the regulation is great, but we also need to have, take advantage of that fair playing field to look at for private market solutions as well.
1: Great. Thanks, John. Scott Connor, let's bring you in. And what I want to ask you is, so this was exactly the ruling pharmacists have been hoping for. In your mind, what is the practical effect of this ruling on the everyday lives of pharmacists?
0: I'm going to answer that, Frank. But first of all, uh, I want to make sure, John, I hope people are writing checks for that new building. I know you guys lost your your building to a fire. And uh, if anyone wonders about the value of their state pharmacy organizations, oh, my God, this is is the textbook example. So I know APHA wrote you a check, and I would encourage everybody on this. What's your website, John? Where can they go donate to help you build that building? Either
3: our our main website, ARRX.org. Or our website for the building is a r r x phoenix.com. So a r r x phoenix a r r x phoenix.com. And it's phoenix because it's like the Phoenix Project rising from the ashes for a new tomorrow for the next hundred years, Scott. So thank you for asking.
0: Well, absolutely. And you know what, we're rising from the PBM ashes, right? Just, uh, you know, as of last week. So thank you, uh, uh, John, you're a true pharmacy patriot. So Frank, I think uh, that was, I I tend to give long answers to short questions. I sometimes deviate from the script, but I think the question is, what's this really mean for pharmacists? That's correct. Yep this means a lot, you know, and, and uh, John just talked about that, uh, Congressman Carter talked about that, but, you know, I really look at it, uh, you know, we've had all the, the pharmacy closures, uh, we've got, you know, we've got lots of issues. We have racial disparities in healthcare. We have pharmacy deserts because there's no community pharmacies. So this, this is going to help, uh, folks who, who want to have a, you know, a, a, a business that's sustainable so they can serve their communities. Uh, but you know, it's not just that, I mean, pharmacies in general are under so Pressure. We read a lot, like the Ellen Gabler articles uh, of of uh, work uh, issues, workplace issues, right? So, you know, huge, high volume. Unrealistic uh, metrics that pharmacists have to do. It's because of payment models. You know, you can't, it used to be back in the day, uh, you would make a living and you could have time to counsel patients. You could have time to do things. The payment has gotten so tight and, you know, pharmacists are actually losing money on some things because of PBM shenanigans that uh, that's one of the huge drivers, you know. So I think this is going to have just a massive implications. And just like John's going to do in Arkansas, uh, we're going to look all over uh, at, at, you know, putting the pedal in the metal. I think, uh, you know, uh, Congressman Carter said, we're going to, you know, step on the gas and we're not going to let up. But I think this is just, the, hopefully is the be- beginning of the end uh, for PBM shenanigans. And this is so we can have state laws like John's got and, and a lot of other states. But, uh, you know, this is, this is I can't stand up on how big this is and how many opportunities. But I, I think every pharmacist across the country uh that you know it should have a, breathe a sigh of relief and and look forward to the future we got a lot of bad news uh you know we've just been uh death by a thousand cuts and and now this just opens us up to actually we're outgunned we're out man john was outgunned he was out lobbied right he was outlawed uh but 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 they did it so uh, this is this has got huge practical applications. People can have a sustainable business, right? Now we go and we hit payment reform. We get insurers to pay pharmacists. You know, we have state laws for Medicaid. So while this is PBMs, it's just the sort of tip the iceberg. payment reform. We need to continue and we need to hit it with everything we've got.
1: Scott, what do you think the uh, there are a lot of beneficiaries, so to speak, to this to this ruling? Um what is, how will employers benefit from this ruling?
0: That's that's a huge thing. This isn't just a win for pharmacy. You know, and I think John said that, too. This is a win for patients, of course. But this is a win for employers. This is a win for taxpayers. You know, I, I spent nine years at Cleveland Clinic before I came out here to D.C. and Ohio. You know, we, we talked about all the spread pricing, 200, and I think it was $48 million that Ohio taxpayers paid to the the big PBMs and they kept that much and it was non-transparent they had they had no idea how much money was going to the PBM versus taking care of patients so I think and employers small employers are not, immune from this as well. You know, they, they, they don't know they know what they're paying the PBM. They don't know what the actual numbers are for how much it costs to really, uh, take care of the, the, the getting medications to patients. So this is, this is going to be good for society. It's going to be good for healthcare. It's going to be good for taxpayers. It's going to be good for employers. So this is really, and absolutely for patients.
1: So what is APHA prepared to do next to, uh, work with the States and Congress if necessary to, uh, um, take advantage of, of this ruling.
0: Yeah, you know, we are absolutely thrilled. So like John, we're, we're, we're celebrating, we're not gonna slow down, right? And I, I, there's so many opportunities. We had a strategic planning session a couple of months ago at APHA, and the top three things on our strategic planning association were payment reform, payment reform, and payment reform. And that's all these things, right? It's PBM reform, it's DIR fees, and it's also I'm looking on my wall right here at the article I had framed of Modern Healthcare cover that says pharmacists move to the center of a care revolution. Where we talked, this is examples from Ohio again. I use a lot of Ohio examples. Arkansas is clearly the center of the world in pharmacy, so I'm not just talking Ohio because I've been there. But uh, you know, I know the things they're doing with getting payers to, to pay. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm thrilled, uh, about how this is going to help us, uh, with payment reform on so many levels. So many states, Washington has had some sort of provider status since I think 1978, and they're doing some novel things. And Micah, uh, John's counterpart down in Tennessee, has got good laws and, and, uh, we got great laws in, in, in Iowa and, and th- people are doing things, but we haven't put it all together, right? So what Antonio, who we've hired now, Antonio from, Ohio uh, with this data company, you know, who's quoted in this article. The, the reason that they made the cover of modern healthcare is not that they did things that haven't been done in other states. It's that they did it and they talked about it and they got newspapers to cover it. So we're gonna do that and we're gonna help all the states who have great things individually that are doing, you know, combine them and tell the story. And then we're taking that. I, I'm pointing, you can't see because this is audio. My point, I can see the capital from my office. I throw a rock to the cap and I can't get anything done there, but we're going to take all this data. We're going to, John, the, 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 what we're doing down in Arkansas, we're going to show the benefits. We're going to show decreases in costs. We're going to show improvements in quality. We're going to, APHA is going to work with our states to, to be the chief marketing officer, put it all together and help with guidelines. John's got great laws. He's putting them together. Well, we're going to help John share them with other states.
1: Thanks, Scott. John, you have the final word. What what does the future look like for pharmacy as a result of this?
3: Well, uh, following up with what Scott said about fairness for both the patients, the pharmacists, and also the employers, I just want to give you one concrete example that I got just a couple of weeks ago. An employer in Northeast Arkansas, a prescription drug, a mom takes it to fill it at at a rural pharmacy, and they're paid $50 below cost. That same prescription for that local employer, the patient has good relationship with the pharmacist. Let's see what happens if we go and fill it at a pharmacy owned by the PBM who set these rates. They're both the price setter and the price taker. When they fill it at the pharmacy locally owned by the PBM, lo and behold, they pay themselves $100 above cost. So if I'm that local employer, now this state law is enforceable. That's a deceptive trade practice. They can be fined for ten thousand dollars a violation of paying themselves hundred dollars above cost and paying the pharmacy where the real where the patient really wanted to receive care fifty dollars below cost. So it brings a fair playing field. They could have paid the local pharmacy a fair rate and saved fifty dollars. That's a win-win-win. So that's a real-world practical example and. I just want to, I want to leave you with this. Um, One of my very first, very favorite movies, It's a Wonderful Life. At the very end, the, the angel, Clarence, tells George, no man is a failure who has friends. And APHA has been a great friend, but don't forget the individual that has those relationships at the ground level that can share their story. Antonio talks about the domino effect. What I want to say is any person out there that's a pharmacist, any patient out there that sees something that is not right can speak up and share that. And we can help amplify that story to get something done. Even against all odds in a David or Goliath situation, you can overcome anything when you speak the truth and you speak what is right. And what is what is not, you know, what is in the best interest of our patients can sometimes overcome money and Wall Street and power when those entities are not implementing what's in the
0: best interest of society. Hey Frank, I know you got a follow-up question there, but I just wanna I wanna state the obvious. And and John, I I tell you, I wanna thank you on behalf of our profession, our patients as a taxpayer, as an employer who's seen my health care benefits at APHA go up 15% a year for what you've done. Uh, You know, I I cannot overstate the impact of the relentless tenacity the Arkansas Pharmacy Association had and what a big deal this is. So thank you, my friend.
3: Thank you, too, Scott. Appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Representative Carter, John Vincent, and Scott Knorr. That's it for this edition of Lockdown Pharmacy. This is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association. Thank you for listening.
2: This podcast has been brought to you by the American Pharmacists Association, the largest professional association of pharmacists in the United States.